Mike, since we've been talking about Tuffy the Dolphin in recent weeks, I thought it was high time we talk about another... Why would we talk about anybody else? Tuffy is the wonderful, wonderful dolphin uh, who I think has been accused of crimes uh, and also is, you know, the adopted child of this podcast. I don't know why we would spend time talking about another anything. Well, I thought it was time we talk about another even more famous water-dwelling creature. Ah, uh, you mean... Nessie! Nessie! Ah, uh, the Loch Ness Monster. It's time we pack up and head to Scotland, a longer trip for me than it is for you, to the shores of Loch Ness. Indeed. The large and deep freshwater loch extending for approximately 23 miles southwest of Inverness, which is 52 feet above sea level. That's the one. I have to say, your detailed knowledge about large bodies of water in Scotland is rather impressive, my friend. We all have our hobbies. For centuries, stories have said that this loch is home to a mysterious creature named Nessie. This creature is often described as being large, in size of a long neck, and one or more humps that rise above the water as the animal reaches towards the surface. So like part elephant, part giraffe, part manatee, part camel, right? <laughs> a little bit of everything in there. Yes. Yes, we can go with that. Sure. Sightings and stories of such an animal start in the year 565 when a monster in the water showed up in a book about St. Columba, an Irish monk who encountered the funeral of a local man. Residents told the monk that the man had been killed by a water beast in River Ness, which flows out from the loch. To investigate, Columba sent a man into the water while he watched from safely on shore. The best that was way, nice of him. The best way to investigate. Safely. <laughs> Go in. The story says that the beast approached the man in the water, but Columba made the sign of the cross and said, Go no further. Do not touch the man. Go back at once. The creature apparently stopped as it had been pulled back with ropes and fled. Well, I'm glad that worked out so neatly. Well, don't count your hashtag blessing so soon. Skeptics obviously question the story and are quick to point out that water beast stories are extremely common in medieval writing about saints. Ah, uh, there we go. Okay. Everyone knows that meme, right? Like, come on. <laughs> LOL. In the 1870s, a Scot named D. McKenzie reported seeing an object, quote, wriggling and churning up the water, but didn't tell anyone, rather conveniently, until writing a letter about it in 1934 as popular interest in the monster increased. Oh, how convenient. Seems like Mackenzie honestly just wanted to be a part of a trend that started the year before when Alex Campbell wrote an article about a creature in the lock. Here's a bit from Campbell's writing. The creature disported itself, rolling and plunging for fully a minute, its body resembling that of a whale and the water cascading and churning like a simmering cauldron. Soon, however, it disappeared in a boiling mass of foam. Both onlookers confessed that there was something uncanny about the whole thing, for they realized that here was no ordinary denizen of the depths, because apart from its enormous size, the beast, in taking the final plunge, sent out waves that were big enough to have been caused by a passing steamer, which is a boat. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. Just so you know. For that clarification. The details in Campbell's article came from interviewing Aldi and John McKay, a married couple who were driving along the water in April 1933. 
In the late 1980s, a naturalist interviewed the wife, and she admitted to knowing that there had been an oral tradition of the beast in the loch well before her claimed sighting. Alex Campbell's 1933 article also stated that Loch Ness has for generations been credited with being the home of a fearsome-looking monster. You know, we put these quotes in our Google Doc in italics, and I like that you read them as if your voice is in italics. It's I a read very, them in italics. Yeah, it's yes. good. It's good. I often feel like the only way to to really give an ancient piece of work it's it's due is to speak. I try my best to speak how I could imagine they would speak. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like I can do that for you. I guess there's something to be said for seeing something you halfway expected to see after an initial article, but more reports surfaced. Like Londoner George Spicer, he said that he and his wife saw. Now we go to the italics voice. The nearest approach to a dragon or prehistoric animal that I have ever seen in my life, trundling across the road toward the lock with an animal in its mouth. He said the body was fairly big of a high back, but if there were any feet, they must have been of the web kind. And as for a tail, I cannot say, as it moved so rapidly, and when we got to the spot, it had probably disappeared into the lock. He saw a dinosaur, Mike. Did you think about that? He saw a dinosaur. I did not, but uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. This is uh, not part of the script, but we should tell people about the time that I made a joke about dinosaur at the zoo. Do you remember that? I do remember that greatly. We were at the zoo together in Memphis, which is a very nice zoo. Uh, we should maybe do an, uh, an episode about the Memphis Zoo at some point. That'd be that fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were, what, were the alligator exhibit or something? Yeah, yeah. It's a big underwater thing, so you can like see them swimming and then up on the rocks and this animal was enormous, and you and I are walking sort of through the exhibit, mm-hmm. and there's a woman walking the other way, and I say to you jokingly, holy cow, that thing's a dinosaur, and the woman says, not really to us, but not not to us. No, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It's not a dinosaur. It's like, thank you, ma'am. Uh, thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> well, at least you know now. I felt like such an idiot. Fool. You fool. <laughs> She she saved me from my ways. I remember being, I think, stunned into silence before laughing. I didn't know what to say. I was like, I, I, I couldn't respond. Like, I think she thinks I really thought it was a dinosaur. <laughs> yep, she 100% did. Okay, back to George Spicer. Uh, Spicer's story, while very good, while writing italics, is not the only one that puts the beast out of the water. In January 1934, so again, during this craze that was going on. Loch Ness Mania. Yes. Arthur Grant claimed to have nearly hit the creature while riding his motorcycle in the early hours of the morning. Interestingly, Grant was a veterinary student and described it as a cross between a seal and a plesiosaur, which is too just very specific. Well, he's a veterinary student. He knows what's up. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, Grant said that he dismounted the bike and followed it to the lock, but saw only ripples as it entered the water. While we're here in the 1930s, we have to talk about the surgeon's photograph, which is reportedly the first image of the creature's head and neck. It's the iconic image of the Loch Ness Monster. We've all seen it, and it was taken by Robert Kenneth Wilson, a doctor from London. For some 60 years, this image was held up as proof of the beast's existence. But in the mid-1990s, documentarians working on a show named Loch Ness Discovered analyzed the full image, not the version that is cropped, to show the monster. 
Their work showed that a white object is present in the photo that it appeared to be uh, towing <laughs> the Loch Ness monster-shaped object, and that that object in reality is was probably only two to three feet long. Today, most people agree that the surgeon's photograph was an elaborate hoax. I have a question about this photograph. Mm-hmm. Why not just frame it so the little towing thing is outside of the image, you know? They don't have Photoshop in 1930. What do you want? No, but like, like you have a camera. Just like don't point the camera at the the, the boat that's pulling the the monster. Okay, along. so maybe it's not an elaborate hoax. We can take that adjective out. Elaborate, not the case. In the years since that photograph, other images and even video of something in the lock have surfaced, like the surgeon's photograph. They have pretty much all been shown to be fraudulent as well. One of my favorites is video footage from 1960 when the contrast of the footage was increased, the hump of the beast was shown to be a person in a boat. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of boats related to to the Loch Ness Monster, really. That's good. Oh, they'll never think, oh no, they saw me. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that did catch my eye was a sonar test that took place in 1954. A crew aboard a fishing boat noted that a large object kept pace with the vessel for over 2,600 feet, but the depth of the object was 480 feet under the surface. In 1977, magician and psychic Anthony Shields Perfect. summoned yep, what he described as an elephant squid out of the water, but that was quickly deemed to be a fake and nicknamed the Loch Ness Muppet. <laughs> People continue to claim proof of the Loch Ness Monster of Nessie today. In 2011, George Edwards searched the lock for 26 days eventually turning over photos and a theory about the lock being deeper than previously believed. Just two years later, in 2013, he admitted that his photos were fake, and the belief about the depth of the water has been disproven multiple times. Technology has been involved, too. In April 2014, it was reported that a satellite image on Apple Maps showed what appeared to be a large creature just below the surface of Loch Ness. Explanations of the image include the wake of a boat or floating debris in the water. I mean, you're going to trust Apple Maps? Come on. Google has added tools to Google Maps to let users explore the lock both above and below the water via Google Street View. Mm, I don't like this. Sounds like a conspiracy to me. It's a cover-up. Google are in on the cover-up. Mm-hmm. You think the Loch Ness Monster landed on the moon? I mean, it's more likely than the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of Ungenius is brought to you by Hello. Hello make insanely comfortable buckwheat pillows. I don't know if you've tried a buckwheat pillow, but it's pretty different to your regular fluffy pillows because it supports your head and neck and doesn't collapse under the weight of your head like traditional pillows. You're not waking up in the middle of the night to like refluff this thing. Uh, it stays cool and dry compared to feather or foam pillows. Plus, buckwheat tends to breathe better, meaning it doesn't get all warm and humid. So there's no more flipping to the cool side of the pillow. It's always cool. And I really like that you can add or remove filling to suit your needs so your pillow can be just the way you like it. Uh, I have one of these, and then my daughter took it from me, and she's like, it's too tall. And we were able to adjust it to be more comfortable for her. And uh, I haven't gotten it back, actually. She's just kept it. They're great pillows. I sleep on one every single night, and I absolutely adore it. I really, really do. Apparently, they're on pillow menus, which is a thing that fancy hotels have. I've never been to a hotel with a pillow menu, but that's a life goal now. Mm -hmm. Hello is made in the USA with quality construction and materials. 
The certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability, and all the buckwheat is grown and milled here in the U.S. So here's the deal. If you're curious and want to try one of these, you can. Hello has a sleep on it for 60 nights deal. And if it's not for you, you can send it back for a refund. So head on over to hellopillow.com slash ungeniused right now to get your own buckwheat pillow. That's hellopillow, H-U-L-L-O-P-I-L-L-O-W.com slash ungeniused. And if you buy more than one, they have a special discount for up to $20 off depending on the size you're looking at. They have fast, free shipping with every order, and 1% of all profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. Give it a try. If you love it, you keep it, and if you don't, you can send it back. Head on over to hellopillow.com slash ungenius now. Our thanks to Hello for their support of this show and Relay FM. I was just poking around on Google Maps, mm-hmm. looking at Loch Ness. Didn't find anything yet, but I'll report back once I find Nessie. Okay. Somebody who tried to find Nessie was Robert Rines. Robert Rines has spent years exploring the loch for proof of large creatures under its surface. In the 70s, he conducted widespread sonar testing in the water and coupled sonar equipment with underwater cameras. Rines team believes that they captured evidence of a number of animals some 20 to 30 feet in length with large flat fins. While the sonar findings were made public, the photos have not been widely circulated, although you you can find them on Google. In 2008, he theorized that the animals have died, perhaps failing to adapt to the effects of global warming. There are possible explanations for this, like for all of this. The most common is the misidentification of known animals or birds and eels. They're common in the loch, but there are other animals that could explain the images that have been seen. In a 1979 article, California biologist Dennis Power and geographer Donald Johnson claimed that the surgeon's photograph was the top of the head, extended trunk, and flared nostrils of a swimming elephant photographed elsewhere and claimed to be from Loch Ness. Although, clearly they just like built something and towed it with a boat. Maybe they were towing an elephant. You don't know. That, you know, it could both could be true. Zoologist, fisherman, and television presenter Jeremy Wade investigated the creature in 2013 as part of a series called River Monsters and concluded that it could have been a Greenland shark. They can reach up to 20 feet in length, survive in freshwater, and are known to inhabit the North Atlantic Ocean. This wouldn't account for the stories of people seeing them out on the shores of the loch, but the rest could make sense. Trees and other debris in the water could account for some of this as well. There's this interesting thing that happens uh, in a bunch of locks, but in Loch Ness in particular, where pine trees will fall into the water, they'll sink and begin to ferment. Eventually, they rupture, being propelled to the surface by the gases escaping the wood. These logs could be seen as the, quote, long necks protruding from the water. They're basically underwater tree cannons. Sure. Wind and watercraft make all sorts of waves and ripples on the surface of the water, which can be choppy at times, like the Apple News thing, right? Like, that's what people said it was. It's like it's just a weird pattern made by a boat. Water can also be disrupted by seismic activity in the area, releasing gas at the bottom of the lock, causing water to churn and bubble as it rises. Of course, many of the images that have been passed around over the years have simply been hoaxes and pranks, as we've discussed. Some have thought Nessie looks a lot like a plesiosaur, the long-necked aquatic reptile which became extinct when dinosaurs did some 66 million years ago. That's probably it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The reality is there's probably no one single explanation for all of this. It's been part of the folklore in the area for centuries, changing and evolving over the generations, becoming more popular and less popular over time. 
Humans simply love to tell stories, and few stories have the mystery that surround the Loch Ness monster. And of course, could be true. We don't know. We don't. I'm, I'm not a zoologist slash TV presenter. There could be something. There could be something in there. We don't know. This has been our topic list for a really long time. I believe Allison sent it in initially, so thank you, Allison, for that. Uh, if you want to learn more about the Loch Ness monster, including seeing satellite images of the Apple Maps tiles <laughs> that people say look like the monster, they're worth looking at because they do look super creepy. It's weird. Uh, check it out, relay.fm slash ungenius slash 93. While you're there, you can send us an email. There's a link there in the sidebar. Send in your favorite uh, weird or unusual story on Wikipedia, and it'll get added to the document, and we will uh, we'll cover it eventually. The list is long, but we keep working our way through it. You can also send in show suggestions on Twitter. The show can be found there as Ungeniused. You can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E, and you can follow me on Twitter as I-S-M-H. Until our next trip to Scotland, Mike, say goodbye. Goodbye, Lanny. Adios.